I was going to bring up, I know she's been on a TV show before, but I was on the news as a person of interest before. So I am kind of famous sometimes. So <laughs> that's why I was younger, but I have been on the news. It was, so, to be fair, it was a drawing of you. It was a drawing of me, but still, I was on the news. It. My mom was Wait, proud. were you like wanted? Were you, were you, why was there a drawing of you on the news? So, they never proved it. <laughs> So, uh, Tales from the Ditch, uh, starring Sean Al Moss, Seth Wildshoot, only here by contract, and we have a guest! We have someone who's actually done things with her life, not just yeah, I'm friends super of nervous. ours. <laughs> nervous, because we have a celebrity in our midst. I- On the phone with us, <laughs> that's a way to introduce it. On the phone with us is Michelle Schubert. Did I say that right? It's yes. not Schubert. Yeah. <laughs> is hey, that, guys. Is, it, is that the right way to say it? Yeah, Michelle Schubert. Okay, okay we didn't butcher and like say Alyssa Milano. We've or anything, had people so on the show where their last name ends in B E R T, and they say, they say it's Uber, and so we were unable to. <laughs> I'm not that sure. fancy. Good, good. All right, well, welcome. So, uh, real quick, you um, have a lot of things under your belt as far as accomplishments in life, but you are currently working for. An organization that does what exactly? Yeah, so I work for Pioneer Bible Translators, and uh, well, we do Bible translation, but the uh, there's a lot more than that actually. Uh, we we target uh, working in locations that have no church and no Bible, uh, okay. which usually means a slew of other factors as well. Usually, impoverishment, maybe politically hostile. Uh, geographically remote, war-torn, disease-ridden, all sorts of things. So there's lots of ways that we can uh, love the people there mm-hmm. while then, you know, through going through the process of showing them Christ's love also in the Bible. Awesome. What? So what kind of drove you at? What made you say, you know what, this is where I'm called to, this is where my heart is? What What was kind of the process with that? Oh, man. Well, God used the Bible to transform my life about six years ago. Uh, I had grown up in the church, but had wasn't wasn't actually a follower of Jesus and uh, or at least not on any level that had you know affected my life deeply and uh, it was an amazing amazing transformation uh, at least on the inside I could tell and about a year after I started down that journey I heard the need for Bible translation uh, currently there's okay. two thousand languages in the world that don't have one verse of the Bible. And that stat just wasn't okay with me. So I said, I'm going to do something about that. Started researching organizations and found Pioneer Bible Translators. That's crazy. Awesome. And so you, so we, uh, were introduced, I guess, to you through my cousin, Shelly. How do you know Shelly? Yeah. Oh man. Shelly's awesome. Shelly is a coworker of mine. She is, uh, one of the Pioneer Bible Translators, uh, though her role uh, is a little different from from that of a Bible translator, but she plays an integral part of our team there in West Africa. That's awesome. And so you guys met just while you both started at the at Pioneer. Oh well, uh, I guess specifically we actually met in West Africa. Um, I was going on a trip there mm-hmm. for some to give some short term support to our long term staff, uh, among which you know she is. So while I was over there, I met her and we we clicked instantly and yeah 
became friends. That's awesome. That's awesome. She's pretty easy to get along with, I've noticed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can, are, does it surprise you at all that she's related to someone like Sean? I mean, does that ever you go, why? <laughs> like, do you ever ask that question, like, why? She's like, who? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a moment to get to know Sean, then I'll, I'll tell you after the interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a quick question about uh, translation. How, mm-hmm. uh, so you said how many languages or I guess oh. cultures don't have yeah. Bible in their common tongue? No, yeah, 2,000. And actually, it's, the number's more than this, but this is the number of languages that still need scripture that like aren't dying out. This is 2,000 languages don't have one verse of the Bible. And those aren't dialects of other languages. Those are distinct languages, each with their own dialect. Wow, that's Jeez. crazy. And so, yeah. um, and that's worldwide, right? Or is it mostly that's in? worldwide. That's crazy. You know, there's definitely like pockets where you're going to find this. Um, and those pockets kind of make sense. Uh, it, you know, parts of, you know, uh, most of the Americas are pretty, pretty well covered. Not to say that you're not going to find languages without the Bible in the Americas, but, mm-hmm. but the infrastructure and the, the work that's been done is pretty mm-hmm. extensive in the Americas. Though you could imagine like the Middle East, uh, across North Africa, uh, East Asia, Southeast Asia, South Asia, all these locations, you're going to find uh, most of these languages. Uh, you don't have to answer this, but is are you guys operating? Actually, no, I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> is there, are there any places, <laughs> are there any places right uh, now where it's still illegal to code have Code name Sarsaparilla. There you go. <laughs> Done. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, we, we do, we target locations that have no church and no Bible. And there's often many reasons that they don't have a church and a Bible. Um, and uh, we we uh, feel like there should be no reason not to have absolutely. Uh, the church and the Bible. That is absolutely right. And I am inferring from what you were saying the answer to my question. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is um, – now, are you someone who – because we all have our different walks. We all have our different stories. Um, were you someone who followed God your whole life or it was later on? What kind of was your journey of how did you come to believe in this and say, yeah. no, this is true? Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. So I, I grew up in the church. I'm actually a pastor's kid. A oh, wow. Kid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Still a Christian. So, so that, <laughs> yeah. So, wow. so that came with its own <laughs> difficulties. Uh, I would have said that I was a Christian. Uh, okay. You know how kid, you know, kids, kids are whatever their parents are until they until totally. they start to kind of think critically and take on the world for themselves and all that. Um, I went through that, and uh, the only reason I kept calling myself a Christian was kind of just pride or comfort or something like oh, okay. uh, yeah I, i'm a christian like i am uh but my life i guess proved otherwise and, and i guess internally proved otherwise as well i i eventually realized that i was never content that i was always grasping for something out ahead of me and hoping well maybe if i get the right job then i'll be that's when yeah, i'll be fulfilled yeah. and happy you know, maybe when I get the right boyfriend, maybe I should move to Europe and like, you know, whatever these ideas. And I just kept doing that idea, you know, and I would I would grasp whatever I thought it was and then realize that wasn't it. And uh, finally, somehow in there, I got this like inkling of wisdom that said, wait, it's never going to be the next thing. I got to figure out in this moment mm-hmm. what the thing is. And and through months of tears and prayers. Uh, seeking whatever truth was there to be found, eventually God answered me powerfully. And he told you, Michelle, don't be a Presbyterian. 
And that was what you heard? Uh, no, no. Uh, mostly I was, I was finally praying humbly. I was finally like asking God, God, I don't care what truth is. Just show me what it is. Oh, wow. You know, I don't care if it's the opposite of what I thought or what I think or what I hope. Just what is it? What's, what's truth? And I think, I think that's when he answered was maybe when, when it wasn't up to me, when my, you know, deciding Mm -hmm. factors weren't the ones kind of creating what God should be, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and it really, it started uh, with powerful interaction with, with the Bible. I would read the Bible and maybe, you know, read of a crazy miracle that, that happened. And then I would be put in a spot in my life that I would be kind of compelled to pray for something like that, to, to ask God for a miracle, essentially. Yeah. And then he would answer me. And he would just imitate the, the Bible. He would just prove himself over and over and over. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I still do that. Hey, yeah, I can do that. I'm, I'm that God. I'm the one that you're reading about. Um, and so that was confirmed, you know, to me. He just, I think he knew I was a skeptic at heart. And so he had, he, but he took care of me like, like a child and yeah, blessed me with just confirmation over and over and over and over and, um, and, and blowing my mind because I grew up actually thinking God doesn't do those things anymore. It, it's crazy because I think of, um, I always tell people, uh, mainly cause I'm a nerd, but when I think of Lord of the Rings, like Frodo, once he does this whole journey, he can never go back to the way things were. Cause he goes, Oh man, now he knows too much. You've seen the truth. And I remember when I believed, I went, nothing's going to be the same now. Cause I, if, if I really believe yeah. this, if I really think like this guy died for me and he's God, I go, I can't just wake up Monday and go, well, everything's fine and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. And it now I was like, shoot, well, everything's changed now. Everything. There's yeah. a meaning to it of, Oh my gosh, it, if there's a savior and there's a God, I'm a cowboy and there's a new heaven, new earth. And he, he loves me. And it just, yeah. it is insane to me. What almost like the gospel's real, Sean, almost like it changes people. And does it, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't yeah. know. So weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. No, I completely agree. And another cool analogy is like, you know, that scene in the matrix, where Morpheus yes. is offering the two pills, <laughs> and like you can't go back after you take the—I don't know which pill was it. The I the think red the pill? red pill was the right one. Was it? I think so. Right? Okay. It wasn't the like. <laughs> I don't remember which pill wasn't was the which, chartreuse or the eggshell. It was red pill, yeah. not to be confused with the red pill philosophy <laughs> currently whole... raging through the internet. <laughs> Just get off. Reddit. But yeah, it's like the red pill because, and he even says, "I remember." Gosh, I love that movie. Uh, he goes, "I can't." I can't tell you. You're not going to believe me. You have to experience it for yourself. And this is the only way. Oh, it's so crazy. What a good movie. And it's so true. Yeah, very true. You can't ever, you can never, you can point people toward like, you know, the experiences that you've had with God, but you can never force them to encounter him. Exactly. Now what's all right. And this is, I mean, we have some more, but I want to ask, um, if you, and I don't feel like we do this enough. It's so, I'm so bad at this because I'm a pastor. I should ask this more. Um, what would you, if like people listening and we have tens of them, if they were listening said, uh, how can we pray for her? What, what would you say? What would you ask them to pray for you? Oh, huh. hard hitting questions. Just like a TV show. Yeah, that show. is, that is. Um, I mean, there's so many things and it depends like how, you know, that answer would be different for people who personally know me, um, perhaps. Um, really, I guess one thing that I always am praying for and hoping for and 
the one of the biggest blessings in my life is being able to see the fruit of my like ministry, oh, like being wow. able to see like God working through me and around me. Uh, so that would be, that's always a prayer request. Just, you know, we know, you know, we're told, you know, all the work that you do for the Lord, like that's not going to be in vain. Right. But yeah. it's also just a huge blessing to see it. Uh, I think that's what one thing that gives us joy and strength and motivation and, uh, a good tool against discouragement and all that. So that would be, that'd be one big thing. Just one thing. Just, uh, yeah, we could, I think, I don't know. See, I feel encouraged to pray. Like, yeah, from now, now that I know, I'm like, all right, that's one more person to pray for. Who's cause this is encouraging to us to remember. Cause I think as a Christian, we can sometimes get isolated. I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one, you know, who's fighting this fight and wants to see people come to the Lord and know Jesus and know his love. And it's just kind of encouraging to us. Cause I think sometimes we can get used to if okay, I go to church on Sunday and I pray and I go to Bible study, but to know like, okay, it's not just in this country, all over the world there's faithful believers and they love God and I don't know. I find Especially in Washington. You're you grew up in Washington, <laughs> right? Hey. You just talked about like it's Mordor here like well, I especially just, I don't in know. Washington. It's <laughs> just uh from the rest of the world. When you hear about Washington, you always just lump it in with uh, Seattle and the one we don't, yeah. the one whose name we don't speak. <laughs> who's who's the one we don't speak? I'll only say it once because if we say it three times, Driscoll. Oh, with him. Oh, yeah, he's in Arizona now. Yeah, That's he's just, he's yeah. got a little thing. So yeah, but in Washington, <laughs> yeah. I've heard, and maybe this again is just Seattle. Uh, taking over the majority of the statistics in Washington. But in Washington, I've heard it's a very unchurched state. Is that accurate? That's tough to say. Um, maybe this is the church climate everywhere. I'll kind of describe what I see around me. There are there are churched people and there are unchurched people, and there's no shortage of churches. Huh, you interesting. Know, there's, yeah. plenty of ch- there's plenty of churches, and there are it's just that the, the, the unchurched people will, are not going to churches. And that kind of, you know, that makes sense. But yeah, totally. It's almost like, it's almost like missionaries need to come to our country to show us how to contextualize to our own people. Um, oh, how can we reach Americans? <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah. that would be a great translation. <laughs> <laughs> the wa- Here's the only other thing I know about Washington because I went to Bible school with some Washingtonians and they okay. asked the questions like this. They say, I have a question for you. And there's like this upward inflection at the end of the sentence. And so they would ask questions like, uh, how are you doing, Sean? And it was like almost a Canadian accent, but not quite a Canadian accent, but not a North Dakotan accent and stuff like that. And so I think that warrants a translation. You sure they weren't Canadian? You sure you just weren't in Canada? <laughs> maybe, maybe you're in the wrong spot, man. Like, Actually, Washington is near and dear to Seth and I. We've, uh, we, we used to be in a band. And one time we did this tour of the whole West Coast and we went all the way down from Mexico all the way up to Canada. And, and what Seattle, happened at the border, Sean? And the border was an unfortunate situation where we were not allowed to re-enter the U.S. for a while. But I don't need to get Uh-oh. into that. But um, this was before we were Christians. But uh, in Seattle, <laughs> we had a really fun time and played a really fun show at this YMCA or something in Seattle. It was a food, not bombs benefit. Yeah. 
And I was the only one there at the time who was Republican. I'm pretty sure at the time. But what was the town? (laughs) We stopped in a town that was just inside Washington on the Oregon border. And it was a small town. And we played a bar there. And it was super cool. The Samurai Duck? No, that was in Oregon. Yeah, that was in Oregon. It was between, I don't know. It was somewhere in Washington. But anyways, it was like a really fun show because everybody was dancing. It was in like this basement. That was in Canada. That wasn't on the border. We were in Canada. I don't think so. We were in Canada. We had passed. The... I would know. Look, the thing is, oh, what were we? See, I wasn't a Christian. I'm pretty sure thing. we were still in Washington because I remember the Canada show. But anyways, that's besides the point. I, I had a really good time. So what in we're Washington. saying is we know a lot about Washington. Yeah, we, know we were there two there. days. <laughs> so it sounds like you, you know Washington really well. And you love oh, it. totally. We were like, oh, salt of the earth. The people are. <laughs> Yeah, I, Fine. So I do. I I do love Washington actually so much. Um, so my job, I travel a lot for my job, both stateside and and often mm-hmm. internationally as well. But you know how people, when you're on a plane, like they'll pull out of their phone and show you pictures of their kids. Yeah, yeah, totally. I literally, I literally, probably once a week, pull out my phone and show pictures of where I live. Oh, really? <laughs> there you go. Like, cause it's that beautiful. That's it's awesome. so beautiful. Yeah, you have yeah. trees. And grass. We don't have that. We here. don't have and any of that here. And canyons and volcanoes and rivers. Like everything you can mention about geography is is right here in Washington. And I live like smack dab in the middle. We have casinos as big as mountains, but they smell. So we don't really. <laughs> what? What's so Washington? Were you born there? I was born in Oregon, but oh, most okay. of my my upbringing was in Washington. Okay. And what, so if people said, you know, Washington, all right. Cause when I think of Washington, I think of Seattle. I think of it raining. If, if someone said, Ew, what's your favorite no, part no. of it? <laughs> See, we need to stop referencing <laughs> Seattle. That's it. We've got ourselves. What's your favorite thing about Washington or is, or is it just nostalgia or is there stuff you genuinely like? Cause you seem to describe a, describe a law of nature. Do you like the just atmosphere, the people? Are they rude? Are they jerks? Um, I mean, what was it about uh, no, Washington? So, yeah, so Washington, we actually, so we have like the West Coast vibe, you know, so, so most people are pretty chill, though the, the beauty of Washington is, is the, the topography and the geography. Okay. Uh, actually, so people don't realize half the state is rainy and, or a little more green and half the state is a desert. Oh, completely. right. Like, or like, Literally four inches of rainfall a year on the east side of Washington, uh, at least in some places. Uh, so it's, it's a desert on one side. So it's ranges, like it, it just varies from one part to another. And I live in the very center. So I get sun, but a little bit of rain. And so yeah, depending on where you're living, but the whole, the whole state is, is just beautiful. We've got the North Cascades going up into Canada and, uh, Anyways, yeah, it's just, I love the beauty of it. My, our, my husband and I, our hobbies are like rock climbing, hiking, dirt biking. There you and go. And so it's a, a wonderful place to do that. That's crazy. That sounds awesome. That's why I think that's, we were in kind of a deserty place when we went into Washington. Because we went through remember, Jordan Valley. I have been punched so many times remember in the we went head. through I Jordan Valley, Idaho, that. which was probably the worst place. I will never That's talk where about we need some again. missionaries in Jordan Valley, Idaho. <laughs> That's where, well, well, let me ask this because I had another, it, it's Pioneer Bible Translators. Is that, how, is that what it's titled? Correct. So is there yep. a place for people to donate? There is. Go to pioneerbible.org slash give. Um, uh, 
and you'll find, well, I'm not sure how, if you, you can look up different, uh, you could look up different projects and donate to different projects. Okay. You could also donate to the general fund. You could find a specific missionary, uh, like Michelle Schubert, uh, if you needed to donate to a project specific to a missionary. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a ways to donate and, uh, the projects are so cool. You can also check us out on Charity Navigator, uh, to see the, the, like fiscal transparency and, uh, kind of applause of third party, uh, organizations. So, uh, it's an awesome organization and, and the whole website you could, you could poke around on and find some interesting stuff too. How cool is it going to be in the new heaven, new earth? There are people there and we find out based on whether their language or, you know, other means that, oh yeah, someone got me a Bible in my language and it was years after you and you go, awesome. That's just, think yeah. of that just to see that uh, in heaven. That's amazing to me, but. It's crazy, you know. Um, that's exciting. My my dad was a missionary kid, grew up in Ecuador, and okay. his parents were were missionaries down there. You might remember uh, that movie, The End of the Spear. You know, yeah. the five missionaries yeah. that were speared. Yeah, totally true story. Uh, my my dad grew up with the the children of some of those people that no were killed. Way. Wow. Uh, yeah, and so uh, some a neat connection. But there was also another woman that. What is in that area at the time, uh, Julia, Julia Woodward, I want to say. And she's a missionary that never gets talked about, but it's interesting, um, quick story here about this. She, she was a missionary her whole life in, in Ecuador. And she just, she had given up everything to move down there and, uh, start learning a language of a, of one of the, like, uh, you know, tribal Ecuadorian groups and, uh, eventually translated a lot of the Bible. Didn't quite finish it, I don't think, but, uh, she lost her husband while they were out there. He died while they were on the field, but she stayed. Uh, by the end of her, like, I want to say something about 60 years of her, her, like, missionary life, she could only count about on, or she could count on one hand the amount of people that decided to follow Jesus because of her work. Gosh. And then when she was 80 years old, she moved back to the States and, uh, she had two, two suitcases to bring with her. And she flew into the Florida, I think it's like Florida International Airport at the time. I don't know what it was actually called, but her two suitcases got stolen. Oh my gosh. And so she comes back completely empty handed to the States after giving her whole life to this. Nothing to her name. And then she, you know, died shortly after thinking that there was only five, you know, people following Jesus. Within like 20 years of her death, there were over like 10,000 churches. Oh my Because those like, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, the numbers are even more astronomical than what I'm saying because like today, that whole area are, they're Christians and they, they love Jesus and like, so she's gonna be astounded. She's gonna like be walking around the new, the new heavens, the new earth being, meeting all these, uh, I think they were the Quechua's, Quechua's. There's, there's two names down there that are very similar and it was one of those. And she's gonna be like, wait, what? There's tens of thousands of you up here. There's <laughs> hundreds of thousands. Like, how did this happen? That is so cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Have, have you so, read anything yeah, about? Can, oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, results can surprise you when you, even when you don't see the, the fruit from what you're doing. Totally. Well, have you read anything about David Livingston? Uh, not much, no. I know that name, but maybe only through, uh, network. He has a, so there's a book about him called Bury My Heart. And, uh, the interesting hmm. thing was he passed away going, okay, this is what God did. But, um, if you were accepted by that tribe and I'm paraphrasing, they would want to actually take your heart and bury it. And that meant you were one of them. And after he passed hmm. this tribe who he thinks, okay, I probably didn't affect him that much. They go, nope, he's one of us. 
and they asked to bury his heart and he lost his wife, all this. And years later, because of his expeditions and making these paths and trails, other missionaries came in, then thousands get saved. And it's so oh, wow. crazy to me because you have these pastors at churches where there's like 20 people for 60 years and they go, shoot, you know, man, yeah. I didn't write a book with yeah. gospel in the center. I'm not on TV and, you know, I'm, I'm not yeah. do it, you know, with fancy hair or, you know, all these crazy clothes. And yet they have this legacy of no, God did something through them. And, and I think about even Jeremiah in the Old Testament going, really? Oh, this is man. your call to me? Like, why didn't I get <laughs> Paul's ministry or that? But just, just know, <laughs> like, you're not alone. We're praying for that and it encourages us where we go, oh man, because I've had times where I've preached to 15, you know, a few hundred, three times in a row. And then our times 20 people show up and I go, dang it. I wish I just got a hot dog this morning. I really, instead of preaching, I just, <laughs> I was like, this is, we are praying for you. That is awesome. It truly is. But so I had a question. <clears throat> I heard you were on a, a TV show. <laughs> so that TV show? I think it was The Simpsons. I'm not 100% sure, but I read what you told me, Sean. I think it was The Simpsons. It was like Road Rules? Oh, yeah. Road, road Rules. rules. <laughs> road Rules. What? You were on Survivor, right? I was on Survivor. How long ago was yeah. that? Uh, let's see. I think it was on TV two years ago. Gosh, that's awesome. And you were yeah. on, it was like Millennials versus Gen X, right? Millennials versus Gen X, season 33. You're 33 right now? No, 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 season 33. Oh, season 33. Gen X. So, but you were a millennial, sense. right? I was a millennial. Yeah, I am a millennial. How old I are you right 28, now? I was 28, I think, at the time. Oh, okay. Now I'm 30. You're 30, okay. Yeah. They had like a texting competition. She just destroyed them. They couldn't get the dial-up working. Or anything. <laughs> Seth, <laughs> Seth and I could not figure out what we were. If we were a millennial or Gen X, but then somebody said there's a zillennial category that starts with an X, which I think Seth and I qualify for. Is that but true? we're right in the oh, middle of the thing. What? All, right. All right. So what was the whole yes. the whole point of millennials versus Gen X? <laughs> so so the w- survivor uh, wanted to showcase uh, the two different generations and pit them against each other. So they kind of played off of maybe stereotypes of each generation. For instance, Gen X maybe is seen as more hardworking, uh, but maybe more stubborn or uh, rigid or, you know, strict, stuff like this. And then millennials are maybe typically viewed as uh, uh, free-spirited, maybe a little lazy or, or scatterbrained or whatever. So they kind of, they kind of chose... <laughs> They chose millennials that I think fit that category, and they chose Gen Xers who fit that category, mm. and then uh, it, it played pretty funny, pretty, pretty played out pretty well uh, in the season. They were able to show some funny dichotomies, um, uh, you know, showing the Gen Xers really working hard at their camp and trying to build their shelter, and then you know, pan over to the millennial camp and we're playing in the sand and in the water, <laughs> um, <laughs> throwing coconuts at each other. And of course, we built our shelter too, but they didn't show that as much. <laughs> but right. they did show when, like, you know, our shelter fell down and when everything broke and when we just sat around in the rain. And um, anyway, so yeah, that was the uh, that was the idea for the season. So, do you and of course, a millennial <laughs> ended up winning. Oh, uh, did they? The millennials won. Well, I mean, a millennial, and you know, there's only one winner of Survivor. The sole yeah. survivor was a. Uh, was a millennial in were, the end. Were you happy with the editing? Like, oh, that was fair. They treated us with dignity and respect and everything. Or for the most part, there was uh, a pause they didn't there. Really, <laughs> they didn't really show my personality. I'm kind of bubbly and giggly, and and I smile a lot. Um, 
and that wasn't that didn't really come out. But other than that, um, I mean, hands down, the integrity of the show is is high up there. It's, they don't they're not messing around. They're not making you not scripting. You know, they're not. It, oh, nothing is scripted. Nothing is planned. It's like the integrity of the show. Like I said, is is top top notch. Uh, that I had no qualms about that. Um, you know, the only, the only things, it's kind of funny, the only things that probably you shouldn't ever trust on any show, uh, reality show is like, if somebody rolls their eyes after a comment from somebody else, like you actually have no idea when that person rolled their eyes and why. <laughs> Interesting. It was, all you know <laughs> is that it was in the same general time. It had to be within the same hour or two because that's how she was sitting or that's how her hair was or that's how, you know, the light was at the time. But, you know, if somebody says, uh, oh, I'm really looking for a boyfriend, and then everybody rolls their eyes, you don't <laughs> actually know. Like, maybe they did roll their eyes to that, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they're rolling their eyes because, you know, something that was said earlier by someone else, or I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah, the facial expressions don't necessarily <laughs> match up. But, uh, <laughs> but Seth all these years that, thought I, mean, I was that, rolling my eyes at him. But it was totally used out of context by the media. Out of context. By big media and big pharma. <laughs> Oil companies <laughs> trying to tear us apart. <laughs> well, and but you that's kind of understandable, right? Like that they're giving a personal element. They're giving like yeah. more of a shock value. They're showing like of course. personal feelings showing up to these, you know, little themes that they're trying to pull out throughout the season. So So was there legitimate uh like survivor type of situations where you're actually going hungry. Yeah. You actually have to sleep yeah. like oh, in the jungle. Goodness. Oh my goodness. Uh, so I have a very uh, like delicate bone structure, like a slight frame. Uh, and I lost 15 pounds off of my current frame. Wow. Like, really? I don't have 15. I don't have, I have maybe like, I don't, I didn't know I had that much weight to lose at all. I, I did. I looked like a skeleton. Like when I got off the Island, um, yeah, you are absolutely starving, uh, and you are very tired. It's very hard to sleep because it's so cold at night, and I nobody, I think, realizes that. You're like, wait, aren't you in Fiji? Um, yeah, but it's cold at night, especially when you're damp, and then there's wind, and like, so you're just trying yeah, to sleep the in coast. the wind and the rain without a coat and without a blanket. Yeah, right. So you can't sleep at night. You're not eating during the day. You're Jeez. paranoid 100% of the time, um, <laughs> but, yeah. I would day one make traps like net traps for my own team. And I think I would end up sp- <laughs> pits with <laughs> yeah, pits. spikes in them. I just, and I would probably at challenges just spin kick at Sean or something. Cause I just, I think I would snap early on just cause I don't know. I have a lot of emotional stuff I need to pray through. So I just, I don't know on an Island alone. I don't get to listen to like Tim Keller or, you know, any of those guys. I just, I yeah. would lose your yeah. mind. 20 minutes in, they're like, all right, first challenge, I'm already crying. I'm like, I just want to go back. I'm just done. <laughs> so uh, is there like also, I mean, there's a big um like social engineering aspect, right? Where you, you are, well, the, I guess the thing that the audience seems to like is people manipulating people and getting certain yeah. people voted off and all yeah. of that. That's, so what was that that's like? A, that's a- that's an interesting part of Survivor, and I and I actually love it uh, because it's it's a game, and everybody that goes to play the game knows it's a game. And there's no other part of life, no other time of life, that you should be okay 
uh, <laughs> manipulating others to, to, for money. But in this case, this is the this is the one arena that says actually no, that is the game. That is the game. Get to the end to win the money. Get to the end by whatever way, except for hurting others. Like you can't like you know punch someone or you're not supposed to steal their stuff. That's happened a few times on different seasons. But no traps. No, you spikes. can't ever like you can't ever like you know physically hurt anyone. Okay. Um, but emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> well, and therein though, therein lies the conflict because these are real people you're playing with, and they have real feelings and. You're stuck on an island with them for possibly up to 39 days, so you're going to develop friendships with them. And you're suffering together, so you're definitely going to develop friendships with them. Um, and so then you have to navigate, how can I do this? Or how, like, for me, my thing was, how can I do this? Or how can I say this that wouldn't, like, actually hurt this person? That wouldn't uh, hurt this person emotionally either? Um, and so, you know, there were, and different people play it differently. Uh, and you'll see that. And so, and, some people get really personal and like, you know, swear up and down on their mother's grave and on their daughter's grave or on their daughter's life or, you know, all this stuff. Um, and, and so then other, of course you believe that if somebody's saying all that. Um, but then there's other people, maybe like me, that if somebody came up to me and said, Hey, um, uh, let's vote out Figgy tonight or something, you know, it's in a plan I don't want to go with. I would say like, Oh, sounds like a plan. <laughs> Uh, because it does sound like a plan, it's just not mine. Um, and so I would, I would sneak around the, uh, the idea of, of telling the truth, uh, in little ways like that. Um, that's how I get away with everything. I go, I wasn't lying. I, I appreciate this so much because even all right so little little fun fact about me i ran around with this crew of gentlemen who um you had to get jumped in to hang out with them it was just a little silly thing they did but um little club yeah little club and just uh, a little initiation into a gang fun, yeah fun. just you know you have stuff and they're like we're mad these guys i go okay i'd rather have pizza but like when you're talking to the police you would find ways to say where they go well, you said you didn't know this guy. I said, I said, I didn't recall if I was there or knew this person. They said, well, you said you weren't friends with him. I said, I said, I wasn't aware if I was an acquaintance of him. I go, or remember that photo when it was taken. And they look at you. They're like, all right, we're going to tase you. And they do. But you know what? I'm- You're like, well, that eye roll was completely out yeah, of context. That eye roll. He goes, you eye rolled when I said, was he the murderer? And I go, oh, I eye rolled like five minutes before that. It just. Yeah. So I like (laughs) the other tactic I feel like would be to just like insult somebody in a way that cuts them to the core. You know what I mean? No, like bring up their. Like like, John Mulaney says, he goes, that guy has feminine hips. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just something like that. That's the one thing I'm worried about. What what was it you said? He said about an Ocean's Eleven movie. If it was. I, th- I think all, oh, oh yeah, I love how you just eight. wear anything. <laughs> just say passive aggressive comments. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love how you don't care about how you look when you get up. You're like, oh, mm. just little things just, just <laughs> to tear them look. down. Oh my so, God. So <clears throat> I'm yeah. curious as a Christian. So like I've, I've, um, uh, I've seen some, uh, like reality shows and stuff like that. And there's always somebody who, 
um, you know, says in their little introduction video, they go, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then I watch the show and I'm like, gosh, you're like embarrassing me on behalf of Christianity or like, and I guess Stephen Baldwin, he's done an okay job, but there's like other people who, who are on reality shows. Like who's that girl who was on Laguna beach or something. And she was you like, you are barking up the wrong. I don't I'm know. Sorry. I don't have cable. Do I got Netflix yeah, right. and Hulu? Whatever. I you watch the yo-yo <laughs> traveling pants. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um when uh when you're on this show and you're a Christian, I'm curious like what what was your relationship like with the people on the show as a Christian? And yeah. did they just like did they lump you in with kind of the same old oh, yeah. the Christian on the TV so, show type of thing? Yeah. So it's interesting. It's interesting. There's usually, you know, there's two kinds of Christians you see on TV. Usually, uh, this is over categorizing, but, um, there's the one that's like extreme Christian, like obviously conservative values on every single topic you can think of and, and shouting Bible verses all the time and, yeah. all, you know, that. And then there's the opposite where like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then they're like making out with people and whatever, you know, <laughs> the like center Seth. of every piece of drama there is. You um, you're like, wait, what? Um, and either way is a bad, representation usually yeah, yeah um but uh they didn't as far as my my true interaction on the on the island uh i got i talked about uh jesus or the bible as often as it made sense to as often you know like people talk about what they're interested in so if yeah. the topic came up then that was you know appropriate then that that's what happened uh it kind of just as i do in my as i do in my daily life um but None of the, none of those conversations made it over the air, except, I guess, in one, there was one scenario that I, that, uh, one of the girls on the island asked me to teach her how to pray. And that got released in like a secret scene Whoa. on YouTube or something or CBS or something. Oh, that's cool. And that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was I really saw cool. the, I um, saw the Mother of Dragons speech, I believe it was called. <laughs> <laughs> there was that too. That was on the air, there right? Was that That's from Corinthians. Uh, that was a, that was another secret se- secret scene or something. Oh, it was. Yeah, uh, that's what I found. Yeah. Can you explain that to Seth? He's looking at me oh, wild-eyed right now. Well, I would love to explain the dragon thing. Are you play, a dragon princess or a dragon queen? I wasn't sure. So. Yeah. Well, I don't. I just love dragons. Um, and, Fair. Uh, Fair point. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, they didn't, they, they didn't play everything I was hoping, but here's, here's the, the gist of my, my dragon talk. Carl Sagan wrote a book called The Dragons of Eden. Uh, he wrote this book because he realized that academia needed to respond to, uh, this growing awareness that dragons and dinosaurs are the same thing. Uh, it, you know, there's hundreds of cultures with myths about dragons and every single one of them describes a large reptilian uh, ferocious creature born from an egg. Sometimes it flew, sometimes it didn't. Maybe it breathed fire, maybe it didn't. Maybe it ate livestock, maybe it didn't. But they all had these common themes. There was a large reptilian creature born from an egg uh, and usually usually feared by the, the people around. Um, so Carl Sagan, being the scientist he is, thought, well, there's no way humans actually saw dinosaurs. But they did describe them, and I can't get around that. So he wrote a book, Dragons of Eden, and he tries to postulate why, uh, why this could, how this could be. And his answer was 65 million years ago, our pre-humanoid ancestors encountered dinosaurs and it was such a scary experience. It embedded on their DNA as memory 
but then it like laid dormant for 65 million years until 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago, those genes woke up in our dreams at night. People saw uh, these scenes of dragons or dinosaurs, I guess, and then they would wake up and tell myths about them as if it really happened. Uh, and then those genes went dormant again, and so now we don't have dreams about dinosaurs anymore. Seth that was is amazed hypothesis. right now. You should see the look on his face. Is- He's loving this. Oh. Yeah, that is that is the only scientific quote scientific explanation for dragons and dinosaurs. Uh, the only alternative is that humans and dinosaurs coexisted. Michelle, um, and so oh my gosh. So you take your pick. Which is harder to believe? So I talked a little bit about that, and I, I got a lot of got a lot of flack for it because they didn't they didn't really show my whole reasoning behind it. So. <laughs> I hold the thought. Fu- All right, we have had a lot of people on here. <laughs> And half the time I just zone out and get on Facebook. But I gotta be honest, you just brought up <laughs> dragons and Sagan. Did you, Sean, this is the most, that's amazing. <laughs> that is seriously, why aren't you more excited about great? this? I'm stoked. That is the, Michelle, God bless you and peace be with you. That's seriously, I, I'm seriously gonna go home now, wake up my kids, be like, son, other read, son. Read this Carl Sagan. Book. I should probably name my other son, but I'll be like, dragons. That's so, oh my gosh. This is, why didn't we lead with this, Sean? The dragons. That's <laughs> insane. So you explain oh. that to a group of people and, uh, the way they edited it, or maybe didn't edit it, but the way they showed it, they just, yeah. were they attempting to say, check out this weird fundamentalist creation scientist person? And, uh, yeah. everybody yeah. goes, but the funny thing was, is that people loved it and people started calling you the, the dragon queen or whatever but, because oh, yeah. people are behind that because people want dragons. Yeah. Christian or not, people it, want it, dragons. Yeah, exactly. Christian or not, we can all come around the table and say we want dragons. I'm, I'm going to say um, right now, if you don't accept my friend <laughs> request on Facebook, I understand because I already know she's cooler than us. I can't. <laughs> I'm so, this is the first time I've been surprised. Usually I'm throwing everyone else off saying inappropriate things. She brought dragon. I want to go pray now. This is like. This is awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> yes. Finally. Yeah. Yeah, so the cool th- the cool fallout from that was that a bunch of my fans started sending me dragon memorabilia. I have, oh, that's so I sweet. have like I have a dragon stapler, I have dragon mugs, I have dragon uh, goblets, like these big clawed goblets, and these are all just like sent to me by fans. Um, so we got to get on a yeah. show, man. Dude, well, I've tried to get on. If you want some cool me. dragon memorabilia, go on Big Brother or Survivor or whatever. And yeah, I'll be like, you know what's awesome, things. guys? Money. <laughs> Just cash. <laughs> you can even call me the mother of cash. I'm going to be this. All right. This is going to age me saying this. Do you remember Puck from Road Rules? This is gonna age <laughs> yes. Me. So you be the normal one. You can be responsible. I'll be the sassy one, Puck. And I'll throw bikes and ruin everything. I'll always apologize day. for you. I'll, you're like, that was our childhood, actually. <laughs> Yeah, was you apologize? I'm just still thinking of dragons now. That's just yeah, that's so sweet. Oh, that's so. So dope. Uh, you said it was. I'm putting that in a sermon. Um, I don't care. I'm like in doesn't exist to kiss five eight. <laughs> that's awesome. So you said like uh, you did have relationships though, or built friendships with people on Survivor. Uh, oh yeah. Were yeah. you able to like? Um, do you think you were able to like actually witness to somebody in a way that um, opened their eyes to Christ? Um, that's the prayer for sure. I, I was able to share the gospel on the show, but also after the show, uh, different, we visit each other, different, you know, different members of the cast visit each other when we can. 
um, uh, and there was like some tough times, different people went through tough times. And, uh, even during that, those times I was able to pray with people after the show. Uh, at least one of the people on the show, uh, started going to church after the show and was excited to tell me about that afterward. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think there were, there were some awesome, awesome benefits, but even further than that was, uh, do you, do, do you, are you familiar with Ponderosa videos? Once we get voted out, there's these videos made about where we, what happens to us after we get voted out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's called, yeah, called Ponderosa. And you can look up the Ponderosa videos on YouTube or other places. But, um, on my Ponderosa video, when I got voted out, they showed me talking about, um, how, um, I was a victim of assault when I was younger and, uh, how, went to a really dark time and then all of a sudden it like changes, changes directions. It's like, but then I found the answer and I, you know, I'm better and stronger and all this, but they never said the answer. They, they oh, edited no. that part out. Uh, but the cool thing is I've had, I don't even know, countless young women contact me and say, I'm in that, that hopeless spot right now. Oh, what wow. was the answer? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, so there, it was a personal, I got to have the personal touch of conversation saying, I am so sorry you're in that spot. Let me pray with you. Let me, wow. let me tell you what, what I saw or what I've found. Um, it, and I think that, that's even more powerful than if they would have just heard me say, you know, oh, Jesus is the way, you know, like, uh, so yeah, I got to have personal interaction then because of, because of a lot of the things that were shown or said on both Survivor and Ponderosa. Uh, Gosh. That's I, cool. That, uh, it's hard because, all right, I'm a pastor, so I want to keep, <laughs> everything is a hook with three points in a sermon. Um, I just... Oh my gosh, that's so amazing even that you would speak that and say it because, I don't know, I look at the Bible and go, yeah, there's Psalms and everyone likes the nice little Psalms and, and likes to quote these fun little parts of the Bible and they forget the, the book of Lamentations or the part of the Psalms where mm-hmm. it's darker saying, God, where are you and what's going on? Yeah. But I think it's so amazing when people like you are honest and say, no, this is where I was because I go, yeah, it, it's terrible, but you can show it's a real God who actually comes in and can heal and change and do things. And I don't think we need to hide that. I think we need to bring them out in the open and go, no, we defy that darkness and walk along that pain with people and love them. And gosh, dang it. I want to do a 40 minute sermon, Sean. Let me just do the hook. Three points, (laughs) two sub points. I got scripture. Gosh, this is, yeah, there's so much to it. I feel like we could ask. I think it's really neat that your faith, um, was something that wasn't hidden from like other people on the show, but also that as subtle as it was after editing and stuff like that, there's people outside the show, just viewers that have run across that. And so yeah, like your, yeah. your reach, I feel like was like pretty large. Like it's actually uh kind of yeah. a, a tactical move almost. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't viewed it that way, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think, I think you're right. Um, and then of course, even just, uh, being on the show, uh, gives you an audience with people that wouldn't otherwise care to hear about Jesus. Totally, you know, so yeah. even just fans that I've met in person or online or, you know, whatever. I remember I had a fan contact me and say, Michelle, <laughs> you're beautiful and smart, right? Like, why do you need to be a Christian? Oh, and wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so I skyped with that fan, and 
we talked a lot and prayed together and I don't, you know, I don't know whatever came of that. I didn't, I didn't follow up. I probably should have, but, um, but yeah, it led to people being interested who I think otherwise would never, would never be interested. That At least not in a, yeah. So you didn't just show up on the island and shoot tracks out of a t-shirt cannon at people and yell at them that they're going to hell. Cause that's what I normally do. But I only do it downtown oh, okay. and in the middle of winter. So <laughs> that's just, that's what I was told. I was discipled that way. Just shoot at people with a t-shirt cannon and then go home and watch Kirk you know? Cameron. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you know Kirk Cameron? Uh, <laughs> You're a celebrity. I don't, I don't know him. I wish. Yeah. He's uh, a nice guy. <laughs> I make fun of him, but he's such a nice dude. He's not, I'm going to see him in heaven and have to apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. I used you as a metaphor or a reference in a joke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like that, that nice cousin that like really nice cousin. That's like way too sincere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You question. You gotta love him. You I, gotta love him. I, like... <laughs> I had a nice cousin who was like, no joke. He goes, he's like, uh, what are you listening to? And this was back. At, and this is so funny. Cause if you look at years later, what I did when I wasn't a Christian, I was like, Oh, I'm listening to green day offspring Metallica. He's like, hold on. And I could tell this was a come to Jesus moment. He's like, why would you listen to that devil music? And this is him. like trying to petition me. And it's so funny. Cause I was like, whatever. I skateboard away with my bleach blonde hair back in the day when I had hair. And, and, and he was trying to be so sweet. He wasn't even being a jerk. And it was funny that night. I was like, oh, should I not listen to Offspring or Green Day? And then I was like, no, I'm going to keep skateboarding. I don't care what he says. But he was <laughs> oh, a nice wow. guy. I'm yeah. sure Cam- Kirk Cameron sounds like a nice dude. I don't he know. Was he nice, seems cool. Man. He was yeah. always yeah, nice. growing pains. It makes sense. That's what this podcast is all about. Is Kirk Cameron nice and Survivor? Let's just <laughs> let's make that every week. We go, hey, guys, let's talk about Kirk Cameron. But yeah. um, it's interesting um your perspective because you have spent a lot of time or actually maybe i'm wrong what your job has taken you obviously to west africa but other places right yeah 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 west africa east asia southeast asia uh a lot of those places multiple times but in different countries or different regions yeah, yeah. so you you and how much how much of that did you do before you went on survivor um, minimal. I had, I had traveled on my own before, uh, before Survivor, but mostly to places like Europe and, uh, you, you know, the places that are easier to get to and more commonly traveled by American tourists. Um, I had just started my job with Pioneer Bible Translators when I got put on Survivor. So oh, wow. a oh, lot okay. of my travel has been since Survivor, but I guess maybe a little bit might have been before. I'd have to. It I've tried that like before when I started a job. I was like, hey, it's going to be at least 39 days because I'm going to be, maybe be on this show. And I they're did, like, you're fired. I did have to have that conversation with my boss. Like, I had just, like, just finished my training. And then I, I, I reached out. I was like, hey, can we talk? <laughs> and then, okay. So. Total millennial. I might have to, uh, Ask for seven weeks off, <laughs> uh, and I'm not supposed to tell you why. Oh wow, you can't say why. <laughs> it, to yeah, be f- it's like a it's everybody it's like who who knows why has to sign like a, a non disclosure agreement. To be so, fair, though, uh, it sounds like you were translating to buy 
the Bible to people on that island. It doesn't sound like they knew. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, true. It sounds like you had yeah. to translate it to them. So that's true. I could have, I could have sent out like a, you know, a an, an email, a newsletter, like, "Hey guys, pray for me. I'm headed to a try to, you know, preach to an unreached tribe <laughs> and <laughs> on an island in the remote parts of the South Pacific." Peace be with you. Uh, <laughs> But that's no. awesome. Uh, yeah, I got the time off. My surprisingly, or or coincidentally, my boss, uh, my supervisor there, shares an office with the man who pretty much got me on the show. So there were rumors going around, I'm sure, and uh, I think he, I think he, he already, you know, he knew what was up. Okay, so, okay. in fact, we might have even had that that discussion. Should, uh, because of that. But. Should I ask the question that you're not bold enough to ask, Sean? Go for it. Okay, on the show, and you need to be honest, you're a Christian. And <laughs> okay. maybe they okay. edit. You're out. talking to Michelle right now. Right? Yeah, I'm talking to okay. Michelle. Not Sorry. you, Sean. You weren't Sorry. on there. You and I were on the news. I've been on that's shows. All. You were on them. Okay, did they edit out? Of you spearing someone because they stole your fish. I saw no. Did you spear someone? Like pick up a spear. You were like, I'm done. I'm a Christian, but you pushed past Grace. Bow! A spear to the chest. And it was that annoying guy on the season, always running around naked, and you speared him. And they edit out because they were like, Look, Michelle, this can't reach the news. This is a good season. And you were like, All right, yeah. and you've kept this dark secret your whole life. I asked a hard hitting question, Sean. Yeah, I was gonna say, how'd you know? But, um, <laughs> no, no, no. They did, there were certain things I really do wish they would have shown me do though. There were times that I felt so awesome, like <laughs> uh, like catching crab, like catching crabs with my bare hands or something, or Jeez. you know, I don't know, doing something that I felt cool, um, and then hoping that it'd be like played uh, or starting the fire when none of the guys could start the fire. Um, <laughs> nice. And that happened multiple times. And I was like, cool, I'm going to look like this, like, you know, cool, smart chick. Was know? there always a, all these... was there always a cameraman? Like, and you could look oh, yeah. into the there's camera. Always, there's always many of them. Oh, I would like catch a crab and then look into the camera. I get, and be like, you got that, right? <laughs> I get nervous picking up a cat I don't know. And she got her own food. <laughs> like, think of how pathetic that is. I've had amateur fights. She's like, oh, I'm getting my food. I see a cat. I don't know. I'm like, ooh. And I back away. And she's grabbing food for herself. Gosh, I need to go lift weights after this. This is pathetic. Yeah, actually, That's ridiculous. Can I tell you? On the subject of food, here's something that, I don't know, this was interesting to me. Uh, like, my favorite part of the day was when we happened to be on the beach, like, back at camp during low tide, because that meant that the snails were exposed on the rocks, and we could mm. go out into the rocks and get snails to eat. Did you cook them? Yeah, we cooked them. We'd throw them in just some water. You know, we didn't have, you know, anything else, but throw them in a pot of water, and that became, like... Even though that sounds disgusting to me in general, uh, I'm not a, I'm an escargot type person, but <laughs> if you're um, hungry enough, suck like this. <laughs> but, uh, at the time that became like the only, that was the only source of protein. So that became like exciting to, to, you know, cook your snails. Low tide snail hunt. That's my next band. I name. thought snails were only in France <laughs> and Orange County. I didn't know that was in so, Fiji. Yeah. Actually, that's an interesting question. Was there anybody to stop you from eating something if it was definitely poisonous? <laughs> or would they just let um, what happens so, happens? So we actually all, 
most of us ate stuff that we were allergic to. It was interesting. They, they didn't show this and it would have been hard to, and it wasn't a big deal anyways, but um, there wasn't really anything on the island that was edible. We were hoping there would be. Wow. Sometimes, you know, pineapples might grow in that area or something else, but there was nothing really edible on the island. But there was this one kind of weird fruit thing, uh, this really fibrous. It wasn't something you could actually chew, but you could kind of like, well, you couldn't like like eat it, but you could like chew on the fibers and kind of suck on the fibers. Um, but turned out like three out of every four of us, like a good number of us were all pretty much allergic to it. Not deathly, but like Whoa. it would just immediately like uh, irritate our throats and and itch and sting. Um, and you know what it tasted like? I don't know if this if if you are a runt a fan of runts, but it tasted like banana yeah. runts. Uh, really? You remember the banana? Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Banana like banana runts. No kidding. And so <laughs> yeah, so uh, we had that. That was like the only thing. Uh, but yeah, none of us could eat it. Or, uh, like one person on the island could eat it without issues. Um, so that was interesting. But before the show starts, they give you like a packet of like, hey, these are things, don't touch them. Like, don't touch mm. these sorts of things if you see them. If you see, you know, a venomous snake, don't touch that. Um, you know, <laughs> they just kind of, they give you a little packet and tell you not to touch stuff. So, so there was nothing edible. There wasn't like grilled cheese sandwich trees or anything. There was no there was edible none. food. Yeah, none. That's crazy. I would survive two minutes. I get yeah. so hungry. I would be done. I know. I'd, I'd tap out. I would I know. try to drink the seawater. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm slightly <laughs> parched. <laughs> we all we all were having dreams. We would like wake up, and those of us who were down with this, some people didn't like this type of conversation because it made it was like too hard for them. But the re- the other people who were down, for, I was. This actually was cathartic for me we would all like wake up and tell the others like what food we dreamt about. Oh, wow. Because like you always are dreaming about food. I was like, Oh, well, I, in my dream, I was sleeping in front of my grandma's fridge and there were homemade rolls and then ice cream and chocolate. And like, so we would like just tell each other, you know, mm-hmm. recipes or, or dreams we had about food. Um, and that would just kind of make you feel a little better for some reason. <laughs> Quick question. And this, I have more yeah. to ask after this, but did you ever dream of beef Wellington? I did not. No, that that did not ever happen. Okay. Does that what happen about, for you? Well, I dream of Beef Wellington you all the time. You dream of that while you're at work. All That's the different. Time. What about uh, if you had to choose between the two, cake or pie, what would you choose? You know, I'm not a huge cake or pie person. <laughs> Wait, uh, whoa. You're oh, a neither? Oh, No, but if you had to have one. No, no, no. Uh, no, don't I, force her in this. Oh, you no, no, no. This I'm is how forcing. you are. Hold on. This uh, is how you are politically. You say neither. And she's making the same choice. You affirm her as a sister in Christ. Right, you're right. I affirm you, but. Don't be an establishment man. Is one man, better than the other? Agree. I'm not saying lesser of two evils. Michelle, I'm saying greater of hey, two foods. Michelle, as a leader and authority in the church, you choose what you want. Cake or pie? Is it neither? <laughs> what would you like to choose? Well, here's the thing. Uh, if I could get the cake in cupcake form, I could go that. I would go that direction sooner than sooner than the pie direction. Uh, unless it was my mother-in-law's pies. She makes good pie. Like there's. Oh, there we go. I'm just, go. I'm torn. I, I don't, generally, I don't like either. I'm not like a, like at the birthday party, I don't typically want the dessert unless it's homemade and then I feel like I have to. Um, mm. So I, you know, accept hospitality whenever it's offered. But, um, but there are certain scenarios, I guess, that I could go for a cupcake, certain scenarios I could go for a pie. You know what? What I, a nuanced, I godly appreciate, position. <laughs> yeah, that is a abstaining. 
That's it's okay to abstain, and I appreciate that, Seth. You just called me out, and honestly, this has been cathartic <laughs> because I do feel politically like I can say neither, and I have the right to do that. Yet when somebody won't choose between cake or pie, I'm immediately polemic in the way that people are to me politically. I feel like I discipled you. You did. <laughs> I just discipled you. I just grew, you guys. You know I what? And you know what? Isn't that what discipleship is about? I think we all learned a lesson today. <laughs> you know what? I think we did. Think, oh, that's amazing. Well, it, okay. It, it's not like I'm abstaining because of health reasons. It's like if there were if there was something some sweets there that I liked, I would I would dig in. I, that's so my political perspective. Like, I know you're explaining You literally it just laid out how that's Sean amazing. votes. He goes, if there was something I liked and I go, I'm done with this and I walk out and just go cry. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah, I go cry wow. in a corner and wonder why, so why, good. why. Okay, I have a question <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Moving on past this growth, we'll revisit it. Um, you, so, uh, having been so many places outside of mm-hmm. the USA, um, on a show that's, I feel like, um, uh, for a very USA type of audience and stuff like that. What do you think about the American evangelical church and oh, gosh. the difference, uh, the difference that you've seen in other areas? Do you think, uh, We've got some problems that need to be solved. Objection. Think- she does not need to answer that. <laughs> or do you think we're nailing it and doing great and the rest of the world I can learn from I think everyone, every country agrees that America is the greatest country in the United States. <laughs> everyone <laughs> so, agrees. So, man, yeah. So I am nowhere near wise enough to to give an answer to that, but I'll I'll give my my tiny opinion. Um, other parts of the world are forced to really truly follow Christ or really truly don't not like not follow Christ. There you go. And so therefore um, you get people who are wholeheartedly seeking, wholeheartedly loving, uh, but not everywhere. Honestly, like uh, I, I, a missionary just told me recently uh, in West Africa, just told me being a missionary here, uh, makes me realize God must be super gracious because these people are horrible. <laughs> like <laughs> even, the, even the people in my church, like, wow. so, so I think there's frustration across the globe. I think, I think every Christian looks around and realizes the bride isn't exactly what it should, what it should be. Um, hmm. And, but then the only, there's only a couple options at that point. And really the only outcome you can affect is your own. So like get your stuff together and you be the part of the bride or the part of the body that you need to be. And, and I, I think, I mean, I don't know if that's the only thing we can do. I think, um, I don't know if you've seen Francis Chan just wrote a book called Letters to the Church. Yeah. Um, I'm not all the way through it yet, but his premise was good. It was like, Hey, everyone agrees there's an issue in the American church. Uh, you know, that we're not either we're not reflecting Christ or we're reflecting him too harshly or, refl- you know, everybody has a different opinion on what's wrong with the church. Um, but that's not a reason to leave it. In yeah. fact, if you if you love someone, how can you abandon their wife? How could you abandon their bride Amen. when she's sick? And so come alongside, come alongside the the church and try to help and do your part above all. Um, but but yeah, um, it, I think I think there are a lot of great things uh, that the American church can do, uh, mostly because we've been blessed with you know affluence and and mobilization, I guess. Um, 
at the same time, I don't think we realize that actually there are more South American missionaries than North American missionaries, uh, far and wide per capita, for sure. As the so it's like not like sending, we're pulling our as the sending not, continent, yeah, it's not right? like we're pulling our weight. Uh, even though it looks like we are, like you know, every missionary I know is from North America, almost you know, ninety nine percent. But that's because I'm that's where I'm saturated. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of an interesting, interesting thing when you start looking at the the uh, numbers and, and dynamics. That was a very charitable, um, kind way to say that for a question where Sean obviously was trying to trap you. <laughs> you know what? You're persnickety. You are grumpy. No, because that is. I think, I don't know if it was Augustine or whatever, but talked about, you know, the weaknesses of the church, but he says, but it's still, you know, my mother in the way he talks about it. it's, I have issues mm. with the American church, but they have commissioned me as an elder. So I will be faithful to it till I'm dead. And it's, it's not easy. There are things that frustrate me. There are things that frustrate Sean, but these are people I'm given. So I'm going to pray for them and love them. Uh, I'm going to try read outside my tribe and petition and you know, challenge yeah. them, but, um, this is the church and I feel it's always been broken and I can just, okay, I'm going to be faithful as I can. And that's why I think is the main calls, not how many numbers do you have? How many books have you written? It's right. be faithful. to. I think there are janitors at church who have been cleaning the church for 30 years who in heaven will receive a crown because they were just faithful. And that's all I'm trying to do mm-hmm. is, okay, this is, I can't choose the country I was born into and I will pray right. and preach and I'll speak truth. And in the end of days, who knows, they may stone us to death, but I'll still get up there and go, okay, mm-hmm. here's the sermon I did the best I can, and please don't yell at me on Facebook. And that's about the best I can do. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I and, I mean, depending on your on your view of God's sovereignty as well, uh, the results are up to him, right? It's not like you can... Salah. Uh, at least go. I don't believe you can, you can work. Uh, I don't think you can, like, I don't know, uh, be strategic enough to win... Uh, you know, 15 souls instead of 14 because you were smarter or something, because you're smart. You know, I think mm. that has to do with God's grace rather than, and so I guess it comes back to like, no, yeah, your job is to obey. Amen. Uh, God's job is to, to do the rest. And you are completely right about sovereignty. Sensei agrees with my opinion. She is 100% right. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, that is true. Interesting. I was thinking about Beef Wellington for a while. <laughs> Dang it, uh, So I think, uh, I think that's actually a really good perspective. My perspective, not having done much outside of the United States, is to criticize it overly. But I think both mm. of you offered very interesting perspectives. It's like, how can I, you know, be a part of the solution? But also, how can I uh do the best that I can in a place that I'm called to be. And uh I think yeah. that's really good. Well and then you gotta wonder if everybody did that, maybe maybe we would be functioning like we should, you know? Um right now if we you know looking at the body, maybe, you know, one of our hands is limp, one of our legs is cut off, one of our you know <laughs> so we're not we're not functioning right. Um but I would say Based on what we know about people and our tendency to be sinful, that's probably the scenario everywhere, not only in the states. Yeah, it. I, I have seen. I have a friend. He's finishing his PhD in Europe, and even if Hemo admitted, every place has its blind spots. I think it's just when you're close in there, you see him and get frustrated. But the thing is, this. I'm also hopeful. If tomorrow no one hears the sermons I preach anymore. 
that doesn't mean that's always how it's going to be. We know ultimately God wins. We know ultimately the Savior is true. Yeah. And I'm 100% yeah. convinced that you, me, Sean, anyone, even the guys from Nickelback, if they repent for their terrible music, that <laughs> one day, one day we'll look and go, you know what? I was not wrong to follow God. That will be vindicated. That literally we can say it oh, wasn't yeah. foolish. It, it wasn't stupid. Yeah. It was all true to follow this. So Yeah. Can can I tell you the the area, though, that I do hope and wish and desire that the American church would step up? Yes. Please. Um, and, and there's a lot, obviously. We, you know, there's a lot of areas. But um, I wonder, I, so this is just something, since since it's in front of my face every day because it's my job, <laughs> um, you know, I see, uh, you know, Every day we, we hear about these, these groups of people who have never heard the name of Jesus. In fact, joshuaproject.net estimates there's two billion people in the world that have never heard Jeez. the name of Jesus. Two billion. That's like two in every seven people. Um, and, uh, you know, most of them too, uh, many of them, not most maybe, but many of them are, are living in really rough circumstances. Um, and that's a, that's a secondary offense, but that's still a major thing. Uh, yet, we are so comfortable here. Uh, I don't, we don't understand what sacrificial giving means. Mm. Like, have we, have, have we ever sacrificed to give? Like, I don't know. I don't know if anybody I know, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to sound judgmental, but like, what does sacrifice mean? Have I ever actually like given up something essential for the sake of other people? Mm. I don't know. Um, and yet, People that have far less than us uh, are also called to give sacrificially, and yeah. they and they do it too. You know, they yeah, do it. That's good. So I, I don't know. That's just something that I don't know what that would look like, and I I don't want to be the one to draw the line and say what sacrificial giving, but um, but perhaps it's not foregoing your Starbucks drink, you know, once a week so you can give twenty bucks a month to some X, you know, X Y Z ministry. Um, mm. Maybe that's not sacrificial. Hmm. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I'm going to deactivate my Hulu account and shave off my beard. I think that's the only way. That's what I'm hearing you saying is I need to do that and I'm going to go yell at people on the street. I feel I just... like you're you're right, though, um, when it comes to that disparity between my own affluence and somebody else's uh, kind of really difficult despair and um i guess poverty um and, you know i, and talk I mean about this in a, a gospel lot. sense too of course i mean like sending missionaries cost money yeah uh, exactly you know but how much how much do i truly sacrifice or how much do i build something into my budget you know how much do i just right. make it so that it's just a little bit more than convenient but it's not what yeah. what you would call sacrifice and in the united states i mean actually i don't even know if it's the united states but worldwide i heard i don't know what the number is now this was a long time ago but they said if you make thirty two thousand dollars a year you are in the top one percent of the the richer people yeah and so yeah um in america what we say is that's why we need to build a wall and keep the money here and make sure that we don't and I'm not saying that politically, but I'm saying literally in our in individually in our souls, we say, "Hey, we want to keep this wealth, and we want to do with it what we want to do." When I think part of sacrifice is maybe giving up your wealth in, with questions about what will actually happen with that money, and trusting God to do something with it. And yeah. not only that, but like we protect that 
sometimes, I wouldn't say in America, but I'm just saying as affluent people, sometimes we spend more time trying to protect that than we do trying to make sure that it gets somewhere that counts. So you're saying we mm. shouldn't take a plane over Africa and just bomb Drop them the with money. thousands of John Piper books. <laughs> I thought that was what, that's what the New Testament says in 5th Corinthians. Just, I think. Don't waste your life. Here's John Piper books and we shoot them out of a t-shirt cannon and go, <laughs> boom, Pipered. I want to make sure there are no more Africans wasting their life. Yeah, can please, <laughs> yeah. can we please send these books? You've just ASAP. been Pipered. Boom. Hashtag Pipered. <laughs> And so, um, would you say, Michelle, that if, um, if say the affluent part of society, not even the United States, the affluent part of society were to understand true sacrifice and be able to give in a very sacrificial way that it would make, um, probably make like your job easier or maybe your organization more effective because there was more money? I definitely, I, I definitely think there's, there's something amazing that God does when we give. You know, you see that little kid with the, the loaves of bread and fish. He just gave loaves of bread and fish, and look what Jesus did with it. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think when we, if we were to be more giving, uh, if we were to sacrifice, in a sense, like our lunch, you know, for Jesus to use to feed, he would do it. He would feed 5,000 with mm. that. Mm. I think, I mean, if, if I can create a whole missions theology off of that verse, um, <laughs> that's what I would say. Yeah, that's pretty good. And he would vote for Marco Rubio and have a NASCAR hat. <laughs> that's what, I thought that's what Galatians said. Is it not? No, oh, my translation's not. wrong. I'm sorry. I was reading it upside down and not reading it at all. I apologize. <laughs> well, uh, so, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I don't have anything. Oh, okay. Um, if you, uh, so I guess what I'm saying is your organization and maybe different organizations that do the same thing. Um, do you, is there like, I don't know, an amount that you would be seeking financially or even time wise support? 2.5 million. I'm, I'm totally serious. Now. Let's do it. Okay. Because no, yeah, no, there's no, I mean, there's no, there's no exact number. You know, it's like, it's like, at this point, what do you, how could I even describe this? The work is astronomical. Yeah. Uh, to give you an idea, to give you an idea, um, to translate a Bible takes approximately, if you're going to do the whole thing, which we do, Genesis to Revelation takes about 25 years. Uh, wow. And takes a whole team of people. It's Including not just the Maccabees? Bible translators. <sighs> Sean! Sorry. Continue, Michelle. Know. I apologize for my colleague. Goodness. Um, so 25 years, uh, that missionary probably has a family, so they all need to be supported for 25 years, but, but it's not just a Bible translator because you could translate a Bible and if no one's able to read it or listen to it, like good, you know, you didn't do anything. So we also send literacy specialists, people to teach the locals how to read and write their own language. And that right there um, empowers them and, and catapults them into, uh, you know, greater economic development. Uh, but that's a, that's a benefit, uh, of now they can also, you know, now they can also read the Bible and know God for, you know, read it on their own. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, maybe audio workers to put the, to put the Bible into audio form because we know not everyone's going to learn how to read and write. Uh, Shelly is a nurse. Uh, your cousin, you know, she, she meets the needs of, you know, the, the sick and the, the wounded and things like that. Um, there's like a whole, there's a whole team of people and these are just one, you know, certain things. We need engineers for clean water projects. We need agro business specialists to help with, 
the agricultural development in the area. Uh, there's so many parts of the puzzle and the scope is so, so huge. And knowing that, so 25 years times 2000 languages that still need to be translated, like how many years of human life is that? Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, uh, there's just so much to consider. It's, it's astronomical and to try to think of it as a whole goal would be overwhelming. So we kind of just take it a day at a time. I think that's a good answer. Jeez, yeah. We usually have people on here and I'm like, remember when I punched that guy? They're like, yeah, we're all end of episode. And she's like, <laughs> Hey, I actually lived this. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it's pretty good. That's, you know what? I will say this though. Um, when, when do you go back, um, out of the States? Well, you don't have to say if you don't have to. I don't know what secret spy well, missions you got. So. <laughs> no, thankfully, actually, my husband got home last night uh, from a trip, and I got home about two weeks ago. So we don't have to go anywhere for a while. He was, I don't know, somewhere in South Asia, and I was in Africa. Um, wow. And so we get to be back together for the holidays, which is great. Um, we don't have much planned. My husband normally works in Papua New Guinea, Uh and I've gotten to work with him there, which was cool. Um, and uh, so that's probably the next location for him. I don't really know what's on what's on my radar next. Okay, because the reason I ask is as soon as this podcast is done, and I won't even give details that way. There's you know some uh, discretion all that, but we, you will have one more faith community of a few thousand people praying for you. Just we are so proud of what you guys are yeah. doing. It encourages us what you're doing. You are not alone. I will let my wife know tonight. You will have two little Dutch Korean boys. My son's praying for you tonight. They won't oh. even know who you are. But just not like you are not forgotten in this. It is so valued, so appreciated. It's is amazing what you're doing. Both of you guys like will be praying for your marriage. Like just know that it's this awesome. will be something at the end of the road in New Heaven, New Earth. We'll be able to look at you and go remember this conversation. So yeah, I I appreciate that and I cherish those prayers, uh, both for my husband and I and our marriage and our ministries, all of it um, for sure. Um, we we need it and we we love it. So thank you. Of course, of course. Well, I think that's it. Thank you so <laughs> much uh, for uh, letting us give you a call and being on our show. Um, we really hope that uh, maybe some of our listeners can support your Absolutely. organization, and and we definitely will be supporting you with prayer. And uh, yeah, we just really appreciate you coming on and and giving us your perspective and and some stories. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for having me on. It was great to meet you guys. Of course. Maybe we'll meet in real life one day, possibly. Maybe. Next time we're in a band. <laughs> <laughs> no, our music wasn't good. But, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Th thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. What, right. what do we, so uh, how do you want to close this, Sean? And don't worry, we won't awkwardly hang up on you. How do you yeah. want to close yeah, this, Sean? Yeah, stay on the line. So uh, this has been Tales from the Ditch. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at talesfromtheditch at gmail.com or go check out our website at talesfromtheditch.download. And if you want to support Michelle, please go to, this is where you say it, Michelle. www.pioneerbible.org <laughs> slash Michelle Schubert. Perfect. Awesome. Not Schubert, Schubert. And please make sure to, uh, uh, Either way, like, um, pray 
Absolutely. And make sure to consider like the other places of the world. And if you heard anything, I think it would be important to consider. Just look introspectively at your life and see if you're giving sacrificially to the Great Commission. And Absolutely. maybe be convicted to give a little more money or time or something. Maybe tacos. I don't know. You never know. You never know. People like tacos. <laughs> no. All right. Well, zip it up. Zip it out!